Hello and welcome to the Memory Chapel podcast. Memory Chapel is a small, rural, non-denominational Christian church located on Banceville Road in 84, Pennsylvania. On this podcast, we feature an edited version of our Sunday morning worship service at the chapel and the Bible teaching of Pastor David All. Thanks for joining us. And now, let's get to the worship. Good morning. Welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you this morning to take your hymnals open to number 427. The song is called People of God. You can see we're going to be singing the verse, the chorus, and then we'll go back and get that same verse again, and we'll finish with the chorus twice. It might be a new one to us, so I want to sing through it a good bit so we get the feel for it. But if you're able and willing, stand together with me as we sing. Number 427. Let us sing one confession With our hearts hold to one truth alone For he has erased 
erased our transgressions, claimed us and called us his own, his very own. We're the people of God, called by his name, called from the dark and delivered from shame. One holy race, saints everyone, because of the blood of Christ, Jesus the Son. With our lips let us sing one confession, with our hearts hold to one truth alone. For he has erased our transgressions, claimed us and called us his own, his very own. We're the people of God, called by his name, called from the dark and delivered from shame. One holy race, saints everyone, because of the blood of Christ, Jesus the Son. We're the people of God, called by his name, called from the dark and delivered from shame. One holy race, saints everyone, because of the blood of Christ, Jesus the Son. Turn back to number 424. The Servant Song, and this is the one I might need some help with as I try to remember the tune. We'll be singing the first, second, and the last. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey, we're together on this road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. Brother, sister, let me serve you, let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. And back a couple more pages to 419, The Family of God. We'll sing this one through twice. fountain cleansed by his blood joint heirs with jesus as we travel this sod 
for I'm part of the family, the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. And if you can say it, amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. Our call to worship this morning comes from two passages, Isaiah 35, 3-9 and Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, beginning with the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 3. The prophet says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness, the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Turning to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to take your hymnals one last time this morning before we give her up. Um, we are on number 656, Take Time to Be Holy. You may remain seated as we sing. I think we'll sing all verses this morning, too. Take time to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord, abide in him always, and With God's children, help those who are weak. Forgetting in nothing is blessing to seek. Take time to be holy, the world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like Him thou shalt be. Thy friends in thy conduct, His like. 
likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, let him be thy guide, and run not before him, whatever betide. In joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord, and looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul, each thought and each motive beneath his control. Thus led by his spirit to fountains of love, thou soon shalt be fitted for service above. And I thank each one of you for taking time this morning to be holy, to set apart a special time for the Lord and for worship together as the body of Christ. Our Father, we acknowledge that it is only by your grace, your gracious gift, your good favor, and only through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we have any right to call you Father, that we have any claim upon that sort of relationship. We thank you for that privilege, for that honor, that we, as sons and daughters of the living God, through the spirit of adoption, can rightly cry out to you, Abba, Father, and that we can come before your throne of favor rightly expecting to receive help in time of need. Thank you for this privilege. It is gracious. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who died a sinner's death in our place, though he himself had done no sin. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death and he rose gloriously, triumphantly three days later, and we give thanks to you that all of this confirms that his sacrifice for our sin was sufficient, sufficient to save me, sufficient to save every person here, sufficient to save the lowest and the worst of transgressors. We thank you that the grace of our Lord reaches to all who will receive it. Father, we lift up to you today these names that have been recorded on this list, the various concerns, the various needs. Father, you know what is needed. You know what is best and what is good and right in every situation. And we've come to trust that you are a good and loving Father who will always do what is right and good for us. We lay hold of that promise given by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle in Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And we believe it. And sometimes it's hard to receive it, and sometimes it's hard to see it. But Father, we believe it. We trust in You and Your goodness. Father, we lift up today our nation as well as those who are in positions of leadership in this nation. We pray for wisdom, 
that they would be able to govern and lead in ways that are godly and just, that you will give them light, that where repentance is needed, you will grant it. We pray for those who serve our country in various capacities, uh, even in, in civil defense and emergency response and in the defense of the nation. Uh, we pray for these who put themselves on the front lines and in supporting roles, that you would supply what is needed that you would strengthen them, and that they too would have access to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only good news that can save. Father, we pray for this congregation, for Memory Chapel. We thank you for the 49 years that you have given to it, and we pray by your grace that there would be many, many, many more to come. And we pray that you would add to this chapel as, as you see fit, that you would promote growth within this body, spiritual growth, that we would put down deep roots together and invest in each other's lives. And we pray that there would also be growth in the community, uh, that others would hear the good news of Jesus and would join themselves to fellowship together in the Spirit. And we pray that you would find us to be faithful witnesses, both in our homes and our communities, and that we would bear one another's burdens and share, share joy and tears with one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, all of these things we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. At this time, children, would you like to meet me down front? And I'm going to make a special note for the grown-ups who are going to stay right where they're at. Um, the passages that I'm going to be reading to you children, you grown-ups will want to listen in too because there's a special tie-in to the sermon today. So don't take this time as an opportunity to doze off, but stay right with us. I think you'll want to listen in. Children, today we, and forgive me for calling you children, I know you're both growing up and you're getting older, but here at Memory Chapel, you're my children in the faith, and I'm staying away from that because it starts squawking if I get too close. So I hope you're okay with me back here. We're talking about brothers today. Now, neither of you have a brother, but you've got a sister, and that's really the same thing, really. Brothers and sisters. I'm going to read to you about some brothers today. I'm going to read to you about the first brothers that ever lived. That's kind of cool, isn't it? The first brothers who ever lived. We go to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Now Adam, that was the first man, knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. They were probably twins, these two. She bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. 
who, who worked the ground and planted. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. The Lord was pleased with Abel's offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. That means he frowned upon his head. He was pouting. Now, these, these two brothers, they probably weren't boys. They were probably grown-up men by this point. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Why are you walking around with that grumpy look on your face? The Lord said, If you do well, you will be accepted. If you do not do well, sin is waiting at your door, waiting to pounce on you. And sin's desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with his brother Abel, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Cain replied, Now this is this is important. Listen closely to this. Cain replied, he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Is Abel my responsibility? I have enough to look after, let alone have to watch after my brother. Is that my job too? That's what Cain was saying to the Lord. The Lord said, where is your brother Abel? And Cain says, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And so now you are cursed from the earth, the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, that means a wanderer, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Cain says, you're being too hard on me, God. It's too much. Now those were the first brothers who ever lived. Not a very glad story, is it? Cain killed his brother Abel, and then he said, am I my brother's keeper? I'm going to read to you now about another couple brothers. We turn again in the book of Genesis, we turn to chapter 25. This is something that happened many, many, many years and generations later after those first two brothers lived. Now you've heard me talk many times about a man named Abraham, right? Abraham received special promises that God gave to him. Abraham believed those promises and it was counted to him as righteousness. God said, Abraham is good with me. He's a righteous man because he believes my word and he trusts in me. God made those promises to Abraham's son, Isaac, as well. God kept passing those promises on down the line. And then Isaac, he married a girl named Rebekah, and they ended up having twin boys, twin sons. And I'm going to read to you about those twin sons right now in Genesis 25, starting in verse 19. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Genealogy, we're talking about a family tree. I remember that your grandfather Clyde 
He really liked genealogies, family trees. He did a lot of research that way. Well, Abraham had a family tree. It says, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Ram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her. She could feel them tussling and tumbling around in her belly. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations, two different peoples are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau because he was hairy. That's what it means. He also went by another name sometimes. They called him Edom, which means red. He was a hairy red person. My father was red-haired, and he had hair literally everywhere on his body. He was hairy too. He was like Esau and Edom. Um, afterward, his brother came out, and his brother's hand took hold of Esau's heel. He was grabbing onto him still struggling and fighting even when they were being born so his name was called Jacob the name Jacob means supplanter one who tries to take the other's place now that name is going to be important because we're going to see in a moment how that played out Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah bore Jacob and Esau so the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter a man of the field but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Unfortunately, these parents were playing favorites. Isaac preferred Esau, Rebekah preferred Jacob. Now, Jacob cooked a stew. They were older at this time. They were probably almost grown men. Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field where he had been hunting, I suppose. And he was weary, he was tired, exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom, which means red. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Birthright? What was Jacob asking for? Well, in their culture, the firstborn son, and, and Esau was the firstborn, he was the one who would receive all of the special honors and privileges from his father, Isaac. Jacob said, that's what I want. I want the special honors and privileges that go to the firstborn son. Remember how Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel when they were born? He was trying to hold him back even when they were being born. And here Jacob is trying to take Esau's place. He says, I want what you have. I want the special privileges and honors of being the oldest, the firstborn. Now, one of these promises was the promises that had come from God. Remember how God made promises to Abraham and then to Isaac? The firstborn son is going to get that promise as well. Jacob says, I want that. What does Esau say? trade my birthright for a pot of stew? Are you crazy? That's what he should have said. What does Esau say? 
he said, look, I'm about to die. I'm so hungry. So what is this birthright to me? I don't care about a birthright. I want some soup. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. Promise me with a solemn oath. So Esau swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went on his way. This is how Esau despised his own birthright. It didn't matter to him. This is going to be important in our sermon today. It's important for us to learn this lesson from Esau. We can learn lessons from people who do things right just as well as we can learn them from people who do things wrong. Esau did something wrong. He didn't value the thing that was most important. The thing he should have valued most were the promises that God had given. But Esau said, ah, I don't care about that stuff. Give me a bowl of soup. I'm hungry. You know, we can do the same sort of thing. We have wonderful promises from God. God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. We have that promise of eternal life, being part of his family. But there are people who say, ah, I don't care about that stuff. I just want to do this, or I just want to do that. We have to remember to learn from Esau. There are things that are more important than the things we want right now. There may be something you desperately want right now. God's promises are even more important than that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the great and precious promises which we have through faith in Jesus Christ. Just like Abraham trusted and believed, we too, if we trust and believe, we receive those promises. Help us to not be like Esau to despise those things and help us to not be like Cain who said, am I my brother's keeper? Help us to understand we have responsibilities to one another, to look after one another, to make sure that we all receive those promises through faith in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, girls, you can head on back. <coughs>「and this therefore I would say takes us all the way back to verse 1 of chapter 12 verse 1 therefore and that takes us back into chapter 11 where the apostle gave this long list of examples of those who have walked the life of faith trusting and obeying God that's what chapter 11 was all about And chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also have to live this life of faith just like they did. We have them for examples. We have a race to run just like they did. So now we come to verse 12. This therefore, because we are walking this life of faith, 
running this race of faith, just like so many who went before us. Therefore, because we're in this race, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator, that is a sexually immoral person, or profane person, that is a godless person, like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing that he had sold, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance. That is, there was no opportunity of changing Isaac, his father's mind, so that he could receive the blessing, though he sought it diligently with tears. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. I can remember when I was high school age, a friend and I got a pair of boxing gloves. We were going to learn how to box in my parents' basement. Boy, was, was I foolish because he had at least four or five inches of reach on me and about 30 pounds, but we were going to box. I was amazed to discover that you don't have to wear those gloves and move around very long before you get exhausted. You get so tired just holding your hands with these boxing gloves, just holding your hands up and moving around, keeping your knees moving, you get exhausted, the sweat rolls off of you, and you get so tired, you almost can't even hold your arms up anymore. If you ever watch a box, boxing match, Um, Be amazed at the speed and the skill and the dexterity, but also just be flat out amazed at the fact that these guys can go however many rounds, 8, 10, 12 rounds, moving around like that, keeping their hands up, keeping their dukes up, they used to say when I was a kid. It's exhausting. And that's the picture we have in in, in view here in, in verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Uh, This apostle seems to enjoy using sports analogies. He's referenced the Olympic Games already here in in chapter 12, talking about foot races. Here, he obviously has boxing in mind. And we've got these hands which hang down, the feeble knees that are beginning to shake and buckle. He says, strengthen these. I want to point out something important for the first point that I want to make here today. The grammatical structure of this sentence in the original language, it doesn't exactly come through to us all that well in the translation. The grammatical structure is essentially saying, strengthen your hands and knees and your brothers as well. The idea is all of us together need to be strengthening each other. Strengthen your brethren. That's our first point here today. Strengthen your own hands and knees. Strengthen the hands and knees of your brother and your sister as well. Strengthen your brethren. 
The idea continues in verse 13 here. Make straight paths for your feet. Now, when we think of straight, we think of something that is, you know, like railroad tracks, not going to the right or to the left, right? But the the word straight here actually has the better idea of level, smooth. Um, If you could picture a baseball infielder, like a shortstop or a second baseman, as he's preparing for the pitch, he might look around him, he might kick aside a little pebble or any type of debris that might make that less than a smooth infield. He doesn't want that ball to hit something and maybe take a wild bounce. So he's trying to level everything out, make it smooth. That's the idea here. Make straight paths, level, smooth paths for your feet. Now, keep in mind this idea of strengthening your brother and sister as well. You're making a smooth, level path for your brother and sister too. Those who are walking this walk with you and parents, grandparents, or really anyone who has any sort of influence on future generations, make that path smooth and level, not only for your own feet, but for those who are going to follow after you. Make a smooth path to follow. And speaking of path, that word path literally means tracks, wheel tracks. Have you ever been on a, on a path, maybe going along with a tractor or something, and it's rutted and there's dips and it just jostles you all over the, round, all over the road. It's hard to hold a straight line. Level that out. Make it smooth. There are others who are walking this walk of faith with you, and there are others who are going to walk this walk of faith after you. Make it smooth. Make it passable. Don't leave deep ruts of sin, doubt, disobedience, and unbelief in your life that others are going to have to be jostled by. Don't make others endure bumps that you leave in this road. Make straight, that is, smooth, level paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. The picture here is this. There are those who are walking this path with us and who will walk it after us who may not be as strong in their faith as you are. They may be weak. That certainly was the context here for these Jewish Christians. There were some who were still holding on to the shadows, the rituals of the old covenant and all of the laws and prescriptions of the law of Moses. They were still holding on to this. The apostle has been telling everyone through this letter, you need to let go of the shadows. Those things were only pictures of the reality that we have in Jesus Christ. Let go of the shadows, live in the substance. But the reality was there were still those Christians, especially those who had a Jewish background, who, because they were raised in all of these rites and rituals and ceremonies, they were still drawn to them. And they were trying to follow Christ while trying to be faithful to the law of Moses. That created a situation where those who were stronger in their faith in Christ needed to gently bear with those who were weaker. Make a straight, level, smooth path. Bear with them. Uh, I want to turn you to Romans chapter 14. This is an important passage. Romans 14, starting in verse 1, 
And then we'll drop down a few verses. Romans 14, verse 1, the apostle says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Dropping down to verse 10, But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Consider one another and don't put a stumbling block. You know, maybe you have a conviction. You know that the Bible forbids drunkenness. Don't be drunk with wine. It's very explicit. But maybe your conviction is that there is nothing wrong with having a glass of red wine with your dinner or a beer with a pizza while you're watching a Penguins game. Maybe you have no qualms about that. Should you drink that beer, drink that wine, in front of a brother or sister who struggles with alcoholism? No. That would be putting a stumbling block in their path. That's nothing that you should do. You should consider your brother or sister who is dealing with something that for them is a stumbling block. Don't make bumpy paths for your brother or sister to walk. Consider them. Dropping down to verse 18. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify. That means to build up another in the context of these Jewish Christians who received this letter from the apostle, there were some who were not strong in their faith, who still clung to the shadows of the old covenant, and the message is clear to all. Don't turn back to the shadows. Remain faithful to Christ. But the message to those who are strong in their faith is to not cause an occasion for the weak or the lame to stumble. How do we make these straight, smooth, level paths for our brothers and sisters to walk with us? Verse 14 begins the answer. We do it in pursuing peace and holiness. The apostle says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people. We read those words in Romans 14. Chapter 14, verses 18 and 19, by the way, that we are to pursue that which makes for peace with our brothers and sisters. And the instruction here in Hebrews is the same. Pursue peace with all. We could say, pursue peace, Jewish Christians who are reading this letter, even with those who are causing persecution, even those who are still steeped in the old covenant so much that they have rejected Jesus Christ and now they are persecuting you, live in peace with them. Live peaceably with all men insofar as you are able, the scripture says. Pursue, chase it down. That's an active word, isn't it? Pursue. Peace. That means inconveniently go out of your way 
to run down peace with your brother, with your sister, and even with those who are outside the household of faith. But especially pursue peace with your brother and sister. That's where the rubber meets the road as far as making these smooth paths, these smooth tracks for others to walk. Pursue it. Run it down. Chase after it. Do what needs to be done. Do it without without compromising the truth of God's word. But insofar as you are able, pursue peace. You know, it's a funny thing. Not funny at all, really. We live in a culture that is not pursuing peace. We live in a culture that is easily offended. If you doubt it, just spend a few hours on social media. We find people on social media saying things that they probably would not even dream of saying if they were in a face-to-face conversation. But people are going out of their way to be offended by all sorts of things anymore. And I'm not going to say that some things that are causing offense aren't rightly causing offense. I'm not diminishing any legitimate claims of offense, but you've seen it for yourself how people are pursuing offense instead of pursuing peace. We have been called to pursue peace. God pursued peace with us. We didn't seek after God. God sought after us. God demonstrated his love for us in this way that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. That's how we know what love is. That's how we have peace because God went out of his way to pursue peace with us, to make a reconciliation and bring us to himself. That's the only reason we have peace. But he didn't do that so that we could run our own way, living our lives in offense, offending one another and being offended by each other. We all have this tendency and it's part of that old human nature that we have We want everyone else to take whatever we say in the best possible way. But then we want to take whatever someone else says in the worst possible way. And in so doing, we pursue being offended. And we cause offense. Pursue peace. It makes for a smooth path for your brother and sister. Pursue peace and pursue holiness. It says here, without holiness, you won't see the Lord. That is, in this sense, you will not see the Lord as your Redeemer. Everyone will see the Lord as their judge. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will all stand and give an account of what we've done in these bodies. Everyone will see the Lord in that sense. But without holiness, and that word means sanctification. It means the process by which You as one who has placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are progressively being made holy. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. Set apart to God. You are partaking of the divine nature. You're partaking of his holiness. It told us a few verses back there in chapter 12. That's God's will for your life, that you partake of his holiness. Be holy even as I am holy, says the Lord. It's God's plan that by his spirit, 
you are progressively being made more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's not an overnight process. For most of us, it's going to take as much time as we have, right? Some people, it might take a matter of years because that's all they have left or even days, but others of us, it might take decades, an entire lifetime being made into the image of Christ, changing our character, changing our habits. It's not that you are perfect and as holy as you ever be right now, but when you look back at your life, you ought to be able to look back five years and say, I'm further along than I was then. You're being sanctified, made holy. You are to pursue that. You're to have an active role in that. It's not a matter of just sitting back and saying, well, God, I know that you did everything necessary to save me. I'm sure you'll do everything necessary to make me holy too. No, it's an active word. You're to pursue it. You are to be in this venture with the Holy Spirit. Be working together day by day. It is not that you work to earn your salvation but you are to pursue living a holy life, a life that is set apart for God. And it means there are certain things you're going to quit doing. There are certain, certain activities you're not going to indulge in anymore. Why? Because you're pursuing holiness and you're pursuing peace with your brothers and sisters. Oh, we won't turn to these, but those of you who like to take notes for further reference, a few that you might want to look for as far as pursuing peace, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And as far as pursuing holiness, Ephesians 5, 5. Ephesians 5, 5. Matthew 5, 8. Matthew 5, 8. And 1 John 3, verses 2 through 3. 1 John 3, verses 2 through 3. Those of you who do like to look up those references, one thing I'll, I'll invite you to look for is this very interesting connection that exists in some of these references between the concepts of seeing the Lord, that is seeing Him in His capacity as your Redeemer and your Savior, and holiness. The two shake hands. They go together. Pursuing holiness and seeing the Lord in his redemptive character, those two go together. It's inescapable when you approach the scriptures. But moving on, we talked about strengthening your brethren, strengthening them by pursuing peace and holiness. Now, strengthening your brethren by personal involvement. Verse 15 is where we're at. Personal involvement. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Looking carefully, this is an interesting word. In that culture, in the ancient world, the word was sometimes used as a job title. Someone who had a civic responsibility as an overseer or a supervisor. Maybe part of the town council and his job was to have oversight or supervision of the goings-on of the borough or the municipality, an overseer, a supervisor. That word also came to be used by the New Testament authors to refer to what we today would call a pastor or a shepherd or a bishop. These were all synonyms. An overseer. If, if you didn't want to call me pastor, you could call me overseer 
her supervisor, and that would be perfectly biblical. That would fall right in line with what the New Testament authors were saying. Here, that word is applied not to the guy in the pulpit alone, but to all of us together. Look at this, looking carefully. It means take care so that. It means oversee or supervise. Each one of us is being called upon here to do that type of work that we might typically consider to be a major part of a pastoral ministry. That is the care and oversight of the flock. But here we are all being called to do that in some measure, in some capacity. It says looking carefully, take care of that, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. To fall short, the picture here is a group of people who are traveling a road, but there's one that keeps lagging behind. Maybe they're a bit slower. Maybe they have a limp. They're just not keeping up. Maybe they're easily distracted by things they're seeing along the way, and they are not keeping up. The apostle says, take care of that. You all need to be overseers in this regard. Look to yourselves. Don't let anyone fall behind and fall short of reaching the destination. What's the destination? The destination is leaving behind the rituals and the shadows of the old covenant and stepping into the fullness of the substance of Jesus Christ. Make sure no one falls short of that. That's been a major test and temptation for those to whom this letter was written. Remember, the main focus of this letter is Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that the old covenant was but a shadow. Stay faithful to Jesus. Don't fall away. Don't fall aside. Don't fall asleep. Don't stray. Don't abandon Jesus. Even when the persecution comes, remain faithful to him. Don't go back. That was the context in which they lived. Now, I would have to assume that for us, For most of us anyway, it's probably not a a real danger of falling back into the old covenant. Though there are Christians today who still pursue that path. They get off of the path of Christ and they go back to the path of law. That is a real danger you need to be aware of. But probably for most of us, that's not the real danger. But is there still a danger of falling aside, getting off the path, falling behind and falling short not arriving at the grace of God? Absolutely. That is a danger for every one of us. That's why we need to strengthen each other. There are many things along the path that can take you off the path. There are temptations to sin. There are temptations to doubt. There are tests. There are trials. There are difficulties. There are horrible bad things that will happen in a fallen world like ours that will shake your faith to the core and leave you questioning, God, where were you? And I know that some of you have walked that road. Probably to some degree, most or all of us have. That's why we need to strengthen each other. Pursue peace and holiness. Make that path level and smooth. And get involved, personal involvement, get involved in each other's lives. You know, 
After 9-11, a lot of things changed, including air travel. And you might remember this caution that was put out there by the government. It went like this. If you see something, say something. If you see something questionable, say something. Don't just say, ah, it was probably nothing. No, you need to speak up and alert someone. That's kind of what the apostle is telling us to do here. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this the many become defiled. We have to move quickly here. But I want to point out to you that the apostle is making a reference here to an Old Testament scripture. He's referencing Deuteronomy chapter 29, beginning in verse 9. There, Moses is ratifying the old covenant with the Jews as they prepare to go into the land that God has promised. He's remaking the covenant with the nation. And he gives a warning. He warns them of a root of bitterness that can spring up and defile or cause trouble for the whole bunch of them. He says you need to be looking out for that. And then he goes on to talk about what this root of bitterness is. It is a person who falls away from the faith, who falls away from the covenant. In in that case, it was the old covenant under Moses. A person who falls away and says to himself, it's okay, I can do what I want to do because I'm part of the group. I'm covered. I'm under the policy. In that passage, the Lord speaking through Moses says that would be like someone who's drunk saying, it's okay, I'm still part of the sober crowd. But you're drunk. You can't be part of the sober crowd if you're drunk. And that's the idea here. A person who would fall away from the covenant and say, it's okay, I'm still a member. I can still do as I please. I'm a member. I'm covered. And, and the, the caution that the apostle is making here to this group is, you're not under the old covenant, you're under the new covenant, which God, God made through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do not fall away from that new covenant. Do not fall away from Christ. Because if you do, if you fall away from Christ and you say, yeah, I, I'm still part of the group, I'm still a member of the church. If you fall away in your heart and in your mind, and you think that you're okay, You're lying to yourself and you're lying to your brother and sister because that sort of departure from faithfulness to Christ, it's going to make you unclean. But it's not just you. We're all together in this. It's going to make all of us unclean. It's going to affect every single one of us. Perhaps next week we'll spend a little more time exploring that concept of personal involvement. But for this week, I want to get to my fourth and final point. And we find it in verses 15 through 17 where we encounter Esau. Esau, the one who traded the promises of God for for service to God. Eternal glory. He traded that. For a bowl of stew. Beans. It was worth beans to him. Why was that? He didn't value eternal things. A person who is like Esau is spoken of here as being a fornicator. 
a sexually immoral person, a profane person, a godless person. I do think we're speaking symbolically here. I mean, we all know that fornication is wrong. We don't have to go into detail on that. But I think we're speaking spiritually here. Don't be a spiritually, sexually immoral person. Don't be unfaithful to Christ our Lord. He is the husband of the bride, that is the church. Don't be unfaithful to him. Do not fall away and depart from him and go chasing after something else. And that's really what we see in the Deuteronomy 29 passage where it speaks of a root of bitterness that makes that person unclean and everyone else unclean as well. We're speaking about spiritual fornication, spiritual adultery. Not remaining faithful to the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God and going off our own way and thinking that we're still okay with it and that everyone else won't be affected at all. Esau was that kind of person, apparently. He didn't value eternal things. He didn't prioritize eternal things. That's our fourth and final point. If we are going to strengthen our brothers and sisters... We need to pursue peace, not offense. Don't cause offense, don't take offense. Pursue peace, pursue holiness. Without holiness, you will not see the Lord as Redeemer and Savior. You need to get involved. We need personal involvement. We need to hold each other accountable. And I think that we'll make a good sermon for next week. We might camp there for one Sunday. But we need to prioritize eternal things. What really matters? Don't be like Esau and sell out for a bowl of beans. There are many ways in life that we can do just that. Not necessarily a bowl of beans. But for things that don't amount to any more than that. Prioritize the things that are eternal. The things that don't fade away. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, where he said, don't lay up treasures for yourselves here on earth. Moths, rust. You know what happens to things in this world, in this life? They do not last. But lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt, where thieves don't break through and steal. Prioritize the eternal things. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the word that was given through your apostle here today. Help us to remember to strengthen our brothers and sisters. This road we walk can become wearisome at times. We pray that you would strengthen us and then equip us to strengthen one another. We pray that we might pursue peace and holiness, that we might get involved in each other's lives and that we might prioritize the things that are eternal and not trade them in for things that will not last. Please keep these things fresh in our minds throughout this week and going forward, we pray in the name of Jesus, amen. I invite you as we close to take your bulletins at the bottom. We have the last verse from a song that you probably know, May the Mind of Christ, My Savior. But this is the last verse, and I thought that it was fitting. 
Let's sing it together today as we attempt to make a joyful noise to the Lord. May I run the race before me, strong and brave to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. That was the message that the apostle was stressing here in chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the first and last word when it comes to faith and faithful obedience. Let's look unto him as we run this race. Let's look unto each other to see how we can help each other and strengthen each other on this road. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that first and final word when it comes to faith and obedience, be with you all today, this week, and forever. Amen. Thank you for having tuned in with us today. We hope you found the time in worship and the word to be encouraging, challenging, and strengthening. If so, we'd love to hear from you. We realize there are so many ways you could spend your time. We're glad you chose to spend it with us in worship and the word. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all today, this week, and forever. <laughs>